Hello friends and welcome to another episode of the Board Game Shenanigans Podcast where we review the games we've been playing and discuss board game related topics. My name is Bob. And I'm Natasha. This week we are going to be discussing Get On Board, which is Let's Make a Bus Route, but released by Yellow. Then we're Mm -hmm. also going to look at both King and Queen Domino. And then in the discussion topic, we're going to talk about board game box sizes. And does size really matter? I mean, yeah. No, I mean, no. I mean, no. It's what's in the box that counts, right? Hi-yo. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're, we're children right now. That's like, <laughs> We're like just little tiny kids. <laughs> anyway, so that's what we're going to do in the discussion topic is we're going to discuss uh, board game box sizes. And it partly the reason why I want to bring it up is because it's come up a lot lately where after we've played a game, we'll kind of talk about the game and that's one of the things that have been coming up why did we why did this game come in such a large box or Mm -hmm. this box seems to have way more gameplay than the size would suggest that kind of thing so we just kind of wanted to delve into that but before we get into all that we got to talk about some games so natasha why don't you tell them about get on board yeah so get on board uh new york and london it's a roll and write game it's designed by sashi um the art is by bansur z and this is published by yellow games uh, in this game, players are trying to build the best bus route to, to score the most points. There is a city map in the middle of the table that all the players are building their routes onto. Each round, a new card is revealed that shows each player the route shape that they must complete. You then place your route accordingly on the central board. As you re- reach passengers, you can pick them up by checking them off on your personal player sheet, and then you take them to where they want to go. You will want to avoid other routes your opponents have used because that causes traffic which can be worth some negative points. Each player also has a personal goal of making it to certain landmarks. And in each game, there are some shared goals for all the players to meet. And you score the most points if you are the first person there. Uh, There are 12 rounds in the game and you know exactly what routes you're going to get, but you don't know when when they're going to come up. And each player has a different route associated with each card that's revealed. So even though players will get to do the exact same thing, the order that everyone does it will be different. And I think that's what really makes this game special and unique. Yeah, it definitely has an interesting little asymmetric kind of feel to it because you're writing, you're checking things off on a sheet, but the sheets are all arranged in a pattern. So if you had a full player count, each player would get a different, would get different routes for mm-hmm. what they're going to build, right? So I, I do like that. So you and it's a roll and write, but it's technically I mean, it's a flip and write. So you're flipping a card, which gives you access to that type of movement. And you can always adjust the movement accordingly, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And there's there's 12 cards, 12 rounds. So it's all predictable except for when they come up. Correct. Yeah. You you know, you're going to get those. You're going to get mm-hmm. two of each kind. But you just again, like you said, you have no idea how they're going to show up. Well, and it's one of those things like. Guild of Merchant Explorers, where the the longer the game goes on, the more you are, can kind of narrow down what you're going to have and kind of start planning a little bit more. In the beginning, it might be slightly more chaotic because you don't really know. So you're trying to create a pattern in which you have a lot more possibilities later on. Mm-hmm. Because the last thing you want to do is get stuck into a corner and then get one of the routes you don't. But then towards the end, you can kind of narrow, start narrowing things down a little bit trying to avoid traffic and everything. Yeah, early on, you're not sure what you're going to get, so you kind of want to stay open where you're not going to get yourself in a corner and get stuck somehow. You know, you can kind of, you want to make sure you stay open, but it's easier because the board's pretty open. You're not going to, you don't need to worry about traffic early on in the game either. Too much, at least. Well, I will say the one nice thing that this game does that the original Let's Make a Bus Route doesn't, to compare the two slightly, because they're slightly different, is it gives you two maps where... yeah. In Let's Make a Bus Route, you have simply just one map. So at lower player counts, like two or three, that map feels extremely open. You can kind of just do whatever you want to do. because mm-hmm. you And you want to ultimately get... You're going to get traffic, but you want to ultimately get the least amount you possibly can. Yeah, to compare it to Let's Make a Bus Route, I think this one is better because it has the other player map, the, the two, two, three player side, which is really good. It also has those objective cards, which is great. Um, I don't know that it's it, it doesn't feel different enough if you already own Let's Make a Bus Route. I don't think that you need to own this one. 
you know, unless you're playing it a lot at two, but then you could consider getting a two player only dice game, you know, but if you don't have let's make a bus route, then this is, I think this is a slightly better version. I think the component qualities is certainly better Mm -hmm. than the original. Let's make a bus route. I know they give you these little wooden um, markers, markers, I guess, little sticks or whatever that marks your your route as opposed to, you know, let's make a bus route. You're you're using a marker, right, mm-hmm. uh, to track everything that you're going to want to do. And that's on the shared player board. So that can be kind of fiddly. I like the sticks a little bit better. And then you still have your own personal player board that you're marking things off on. Yeah, I agree. I I, I like the sticks over just a bunch of people using marker on just a dry erase. Okay, so I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I don't particularly care for it. What? I Yeah, so this game is so loved by so many people, and it is completely adequate for me, and that's the best I can describe it. And it's not even the fact that it's a roll and write, because like, anyone who hears, listens to this podcast knows like my disdain for roll and writes. And I, I'm getting better. I backed one on Kickstarter, but it's not that. I just don't. Maybe it's the theme. I I don't know. It just it just doesn't excite me to play. All you're doing is drawing, making patterns, picking up passengers, dropping them off. It's not extremely exciting to me. I I just don't. I just don't care for it. I don't know what it is. If somebody, if I'm at a game night and somebody's like, "Let's play this," I'll be like, "Yeah, sure, I guess that's fine." If nothing else is going on, I'll play it. But it's definitely not a game that I feel any inclination to own or seek out to play. And the thing is, I'm going to be in the minority of this because most people mm-hmm. love this game. Mm-hmm. Me, I just it just doesn't. It's like Baron Park for you. It just doesn't. It just doesn't resonate with me. It just isn't interesting enough for me to want to keep going back to. And it's weird because you got a game like Guild of Merchant Explorers, which hits my brain perfectly. It's exactly what I'm looking for. You would think a game like this does because you have, you're building those routes and stuff like that, and it just doesn't. I just I think it's I think that Baron Park is a great example, like a comparable. I think it's straightforward. There's not a lot of um, puzzliness to it. There's not a lot. It's not very complicated. It's pretty pretty straightforward. You just kind of move along, and you can either you know collect. You kind of want to focus in on collecting your. You want to make your um, personal goal because that's worth 10 points and you want to try to get hit those shared goals first because that's worth 10 points. Um, but as far as what passengers you pick up, like it doesn't really matter. You can go for the elderly. You can go for the students. You can go for the tourists. You can go for the businessmen. It it doesn't really matter. They all score slightly differently and you kind of want to focus on one. So that's that's where the interest is. But I, 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 I'm not terribly surprised that you don't love it. It's not... I don't think it's um, like amazing or anything like that. I just really enjoy playing it. I enjoy making the routes. I enjoy checking off the passengers. And it's just kind of fun. It's not brain burnery. It's really simple, but it's still just fun and satisfying. Yeah, I think part of the thing for me with scoring is, so the businessmen and the tourists are essentially the exact same. You pick them up. And then eventually you need to uh, drop off the set that you have. Mm-hmm. It, so, well, one of them scores a lot more points and the other one scores less points, but you get an, another um, free passenger by dropping them off. Yeah, but even then, I mean, the concept of how you score them are the same, right? You pick them up and then you just kind of save them until you get to a spot and then you drop them off. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, and you can't keep picking them up until you drop them off. So there's, right. yeah. So there's that. And then... The elderly, you're just, it's the more that you pick up, the more points you're going to score. The interesting one is the students in the university. Every time you pick up a student, you cross that off. And then you, whenever you visit a university, you cross that off. And then you multiply the two. Like that one's interesting. Mm-hmm. But even then, it just doesn't motivate me to want to come back to it. The artwork's good. Like I think the artwork's great. It's super cute. It's got this retro y look to it. It's in a nice small box. I think it's just really appealing. Like it looks good. It's fun to play. I think it could be a mass market game. You could see this game in Target. Yeah. 100% you could. And people will pick it up and I think people will enjoy it. And I think it's a good welcoming game for people. Mm -hmm. I think it's simpler and better than the dice game. I do like it a lot better than the dice game. If you 
play a lot at two players, I would recommend this over the dice game. The dice game is a little wilder because you might never roll those certain routes and you might never get those really good routes, you know, or the longer ones or you kind of get the whim of the dice where this is cards flipping over. So you're guaranteed to get every route. Yeah, you're going to go through the entire sequence. Yep. Yeah, I can mm-hmm. see that because then, yeah, in the dice game, you're just relying on hopefully you'll get it and hopefully you'll be able to use whatever's rolled. But even, and the problem with the dice game, too, if I remember correctly, isn't your comedy like didn't we play it like four times and it's already like. Yeah, the, the dice the are, dice are rubbing I did, up. Yeah. Yeah, I don't recommend it, actually. I enjoyed the game and I'm going to keep it and play it. But um, given the option, if you're interested in this game, I would recommend the new get on board over the dice game, even if you play at two players. Especially with the the smaller map, because then that actually confines things a little bit. It's almost like Ticket to Ride-esque where, you know, the Nordic Countries map is only two to three players, and it's a lot tighter than playing, let's say, two or three players on the U.S. map, that kind of thing. So I think that I think that was a smart choice to include that. Plus, you can, like, send a bunch of different expansion boards into it and just kind of switch things up. But mm-hmm. unfortunately for me, it just doesn't, it's just not interesting enough for me to want to, like, keep coming back to. So what do you rate it? I'm going between a five what? and a six. Yeah. Wow, just that um, bad, huh? It's not bad. The game is not terrible. I understand why people like it. It just doesn't click with me. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna say a six, even though I if it was in the category of games I rate a six, it's probably gonna be on the bottom. So maybe like a five mm-hmm. and a half. I mean, mm-hmm. I'll, if if we're at game night. And I didn't bring anything to teach or anything. And somebody's like, hey, we're going to play on board or get on board. Do you want to play? I'd be like, yeah, sure, I'll play. Mm-hmm. It's not, I'm not going to say no to the game, but I'm also not going to be like, hey, can we play this? Can somebody bring their copy? I just, I'm not going to do it. So I'll say, a, I'll say a five and a half. I'll give it a five and a half. I really like it. I give it an eight. I, I just have a lot of fun playing it. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. It's simple. I, I don't know that there's a ton of strategy, but. I just like completing off goals and checking things off. And I love the look of it. It's easy to play, easy to get out. I like the box size. I just like, I like everything about it. So I give it an 8 out of 10. I recommend it. If you like roll and writes, if you like route building, you know, route building, um, kind of like completing goals, things like that, I, then I definitely check out Get On Board, New York and London. It's almost like a pick up and deliver game. A little bit. All right, next up, I want to talk about an actual good game. <laughs> that's how that's, this is how this is going to go. Wow. All right, but next up, I do want to talk about a game called King Domino. It is a drafting tile placement game designed by Bruno Cathala, art by Cyril Bouquois, and it is published by Blue Orange Games. In this game, players are lords seeking new lands to expand their kingdom. They're going to do this by drafting tiles and placing them domino-style into a personal kingdom. Play begins with four tiles in the center area. Players in turn order place one of their meeples on one of the unclaimed tiles. After all players have chosen a tile, you draw a new set of four tiles, which are placed next to existing ones. These tiles have numbers on the back, so they have a particular order in which they are placed. Then, starting with the first meeple in order, you take the tile, and add it to your kingdom. Then you're going to place your meeple on one of the new tiles. Play continues this way, drawing new tiles, adding your chosen tiles to your kingdom, and then picking one of the new tiles until all players have built a specific size grid. It is usually 5x5, five five, but in a two-player game, you can do 7x7. Seven seven. The way you score points is by combining same land types into larger areas, but they only score if they have tiles with crowns on them. Each crown in the area makes each section of tile on that land worth a single point. So if you have, let's say, 10 forest sections and five crowns, you would score 50 points for that particular section. That would be a really good score. Oh, I do it all the time. I love I love, I love, love drafting the forests. That's your favorite one because it's right down the middle? Yeah, yeah kind of. So I think what makes this game, for me, fantastic, because I love this game, is how easy and quick it is. It's fast. I think it still gives you good choices. It involves drafting. Man, this game, I love it. I know it won the Spiel de Jahres um, a few years ago, but there's just something pure about this game that I love. I love the drafting. So you draft the tiles, um, but you place the tiles are placed 
um, they're all valued like uh, what what is it one through fifty or whatever. And the lower valued ones like aren't really worth much. They're all the the wheat and they don't have very many crowns. And like the highest value ones are like those ones that have a ton of crowns and then the better tiles. So you put them in order. And if you draft the low one, you get to go first the next turn and draft pick whatever one you want. But if you draft that you draft the high one, you go last. I really love that the mechanic of the drafting. I think that's really what makes this game so great. There's something so simple and pure about this game that it is just 100% that pure like drafting of I can take the better tile, but I'm going last completely like pure in that regard. So simple. Yeah. And then even the fact that you're adding it to your, your grid just mm-hmm. there's the little bit of puzzliness to how you're going to place it because uh there's there's a couple there's a couple nuances to this game first and foremost so the base game is simply you're going to create a five by five grid and then you score your different land types right mm-hmm. but there's alternative ways to play so in a three or four player game what you can do is you can do a center kingdom and then you can do a complete grid. So you're going to score additional points if your little castle tile is in the center of your 5x5 five five grid. You'll score additional points. You can also do it where if you complete your entire 5x5 five five square, you're going to score an additional amount of points as well. Typically, I like playing that way. And at this point, it's it's a personal restriction I always make. I'm going to always make sure my castle's in the center and I'm always going to make sure I have the capability of completing my my grid. That said, <laughs> one of the things I did talk about in the overview is you in a two-player game, you can do a 7x7 seven seven grid, which I love this game at two, and I love this game creating the 7x7 seven seven grid. It's just you get more of it, really. You just get more tiles, more of the game. You just get a bigger area. It's just more, 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 more fun, fun, fun. Yeah, it's just because in the if you're gonna do a five by five, you have to get rid of a handful of tiles, and you don't necessarily know what it is in that game. The seven by seven, you will see every single tile, and you'll mm-hmm. have the capability of giving every tile. I yeah, I just love I love it at two player, and I love creating that seven by seven grid, and I love giving myself the restriction that I have to put it in the center, and I have to create the the entire grid. Now, there's gonna be times where people can hate draft me, and I won't be able to get you know, complete my seven by seven grid. Cause I'll ha- end up having a tile. Cause there are some restrictions on how you place it. Cause it is domino style. You have to create, you have to connect to similar land types. Mm-hmm. And if you don't, if you, let's say you have all water left and there's no water tiles, then you're just screwed. You can't place it, but mm-hmm. I still put, I still give myself that restriction and ah, man, I just, now this game is the kind of game that I like, I love how simplistic and pure it is. Yeah. I, my, I played this game with my son a lot. He, I mean, we've been playing it for years since it came out and he loves it. It's it's a great family game because it's so simple and it looks gorgeous. The tiles are super thick cardboard and the art is beautiful. It's got this really vibrant color to it. Um, it's, you can tell really easily what, what um, land range the tiles are. It's just a beautiful game and it comes in a small box. It's a theme. Yeah, this is the the box size thing is definitely a theme we've been we've been touching on a lot lately. It um yeah, the cardboard pieces are chunky. 100% agree with that. The artwork is fantastic. What I love the most about the artwork is the first time you play it, you're just like, "Oh, this is cool." But then you start looking at the tiles closer and there's almost like little people and little different things on it and it's just like cutesy, whimsical. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a water tile that has like almost like this dinosaur underneath it it i think it's nessie yeah i think so too yeah but (laughs) it uh yeah it just everything just comes together in a really nice package for this particular game have you played the expansion no i have not okay so the expansions i think like the giant i think it's the giants expansion i have it so i'm going to touch briefly on it 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 adds a couple things so one of the things it does add is it does add uh end game objectives which I really like, I actually really like that part of the expansion, adding those end game objectives. So it's could be a variety of things of, you know, you're going to score your biggest land type twice or something like that. So it's going to be your own personal objective or it's going to be, it's going to be, um, 
the game's objectives. So you're going to. So everyone will score whatever. Yeah, everyone's going to have access to it. Yep. Okay. The other thing it adds is these giants. And what basically you can do is if you get. They add a few extra tiles that have apparently uh, like uh, these giant footprints on them. So then you can take the giant and you can place it on your opponent's in your opponent's kingdom on a crown spot and it basically eliminates the crown. I really hate the giants, honestly. The giants, to me, adds this level of interactiveness that I don't think it needs to be. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a little too much hate towards the other player. Yeah, that just sounds mean, yeah. And, you know, you can hate draft or whatever, but I'm going to hate draft you, you're going to hate draft me. And I'm cool with that. That I have no qualms with. But the giants thing... Eh, I I don't necessarily care for it. It does add a tile dispenser that I kind of like. So I don't know if it's necessary to have that expansion. It does go with Queen Domino as well. So you can intermix that with Queen. It's an expansion for both. But I just wanted to talk about it briefly because specifically the Giants portion of it, I, I just dislike. I'm just never going to play with those. What would you rate this game, Natasha? Um, I rate it a 8 out of 10. I really like it. It's great. Yeah, I'm also going to give this game an 8 out of 10. I really like it as well. It's I would definitely recommend this game if you like just a pure drafting tile placement game for sure. That mm-hmm. is King Domino. The next game I want to talk about is the successor to King Domino, which is Queen Domino. This is also a tile drafting game, again, designed by Bruno Cathala, or by Cyril Bouquois, uh, published by Blue Orange Games. In this game, players are also royals looking to expand their personal kingdom. And so Queen Domino is going to follow a very similar pattern like King Domino. So you're going to place work, you're going to place your worker on a tile, then you're going to add it to your kingdom, then place that worker on a new tile. So very similar to King Domino. However, this game is going to add several other things. First, it adds a new terrain type, which is towns. So now after you take and place your tile into your kingdom, you have an option to perform a few additional steps. The first being collect tax. So you start the game with a knight and you could acquire more throughout the game. In order to collect tax, you place a knight on a tile you just played and then collect coins equal to the number of squares that terrain region currently has in it. Next, you can construct a building into an open red square you have in your kingdom. Each building has a cost based on where it is on a row of other buildings. You pay the cost, collect any building bonuses that building has, and then add it to your kingdom. If the building has knights on it, you're going to collect knights. If it has towers on it, you gain towers, which is important because having the most towers gives you access to the queen pawn. And the queen pawn makes buildings cheaper to buy. And if you control the queen at the end of the game, you can actually place it in your largest territory and it counts as an extra crown. The last thing you can do is you can bribe a dragon to destroy a building currently in the building row that you want to deny to the other players. What makes this game more complex is the inclusion of the buildings. So these buildings can give you little bonuses when you build them. They could give you additional victory points. They could give you extra abilities. Like when you tax your knight, you can get extra gold. This, uh, To note, this can be integrated completely with King Domino. That said, I don't enjoy this one as much as the original. It certainly is more complex and strategic. But mm-hmm. there's just something very charming about the original version, about how simple, fast it is, how you can play four games of King Domino in the time it takes you to play one or two games of Queen Domino. It just takes longer. I, I think what makes King Domino so special is how simple it is. It's your pawn and a stack of tiles. That's it. Ton of strategy about which tiles to select, you know, which tiles to draft. It's pure and simple and beautiful. And Queen Domino is everything King Domino is, plus more. There is more strategy. There's more decisions. But that's not what I love about King Domino. What I love about King Domino is how simple it is and how much strategy you get out of hardly any extra rules. Now you added all this extra complex stuff, and and it's fine. Like, it's totally fine. It's enjoyable to play. Um, It's definitely more strategy. And... But I just think it takes the charm away from from it, from King Domino. I like King Domino better. I agree. Surprisingly enough, I play both these games with my wife more than anything else. And I play them two player because mm-hmm. I, especially King Domino, that just, I just, it sings at two. 
I think. But I can I gotta stop gushing over how much I like it at two. Anyway, that game should have been a two player game. So talk about Queen Domino specifically. It, there's just like so much more minutia that you have to like deal with mm-hmm. in certain ways. A prime example is playing two player two players playing these games. Okay. King Domino, you grab the tile, you you know, you place it in your kingdom, you set your pawn on another tile, and then maybe you go again two times in a row. Maybe you have to wait until the other player goes twice. It just depends on where the tiles line up and how you've drafted them, right? Mm-hmm. In Queen Domino, you have all these extra steps. So inevitably, at two player, let's say you have two, the you're gaining the first two tiles. You'll take it, you place your meeple, you place the tile, then you're going to place it, place your meeple, you know, place your tile in your thing, and then the meeple on another thing. And then you're going to say, all right, maybe I can buy a building. Well, technically, you would have to buy a building or tax the first time when you placed, and then you would have an opportunity to do it a second time. And a lot of times, because of how much I've played King Domino, that type of timing escapes me. So I'll place both my tiles and I'll be like, oh, oh, wait, I have to, okay, hold on. So technically I would have placed this tile first. So if I would have taxed, I would get actually a couple less money because that tile wasn't attached at the time. It's just hard to remember the rules. Yeah, do I want to bribe the dragon? I think it would be easier at a higher player count because you're not you're not drafting two tiles every single time. So then you can just follow the sequence of things. Yep. But that's still things you need to remember, right? I don't know. Like if I want to play a complex heavier, I shouldn't say it's a heavy game. I would say it's definitely, um, you know, middle of the range. But I'd still like it. Not that there's better games out there. There's just games I'd rather play out there. You know, if I'm looking for something heavy, I think if I'm looking. But if I'm looking for something light, like this is one of the best. King Domino is. If I want something light, I'm going to switch to King Domino. So that's the thing. If I'm going to look at the two and I'm thinking about playing King Domino or Queen Domino, I think it's going to be because I'm looking for something slightly more simplistic and I'm going to pick King Domino over Queen Domino. That said, to offer a third opinion, my wife enjoys Queen Domino more than she does King Domino. Oh, really? She likes that additional stuff. And granted, it might be because she beats me more consistently at it. (laughs) <laughs> we just wrapped up a game recently and she whooped me. It was like she has scored like 190 and I scored like 150 something, right? Mm-hmm. And afterwards, she's just like, you were playing King Domino. I was playing Queen Domino just because <laughs> of how, how simple it is to. You can just you know, ignore all that stuff and just play just like the original. But I don't know if you can win if you ignore all, all that additional stuff, mm-hmm. you know, because those. Those town tiles are important. They give you access to knights, which allows you to tax, and those allow you to buy additional buildings. But if you don't, they're worth victory points at the end. So every three gold is worth a victory point, which can be pretty significant if you tax a huge area, you know? And if you can, you can also get towns that when you tax, you get additional money based on the number of knights you have in your kingdom or number of towers you have. Getting that additional, getting that queen pawn can cause, uh, you know, if you have a an area that's 10 big, and you, that's an extra 10 points right there just by having that queen pawn. Or they'll give you endgame scoring conditions. So yeah. score two points for every independent field territory. You know, score one point for every tower you have. So there's a lot of additional points to be scored in those tiles. Yeah, you can't ignore them. You've got to let your, you've got to, you've got to take some of them. You can't let your opponent take them all. Exactly. You can't. You you have to make sure that you're fighting for those where in the original game, the mines, which are the ones that, you know, they're the least amount of tiles. They're the highest numbers, but they can score. If you get every single cave tile, you can score a ridiculous amount of points on them. Mm-hmm. That's you. You know, you're going to have to stop your opponent from doing that. And you just have to pick your spot of when you want to go last in that particular round. But I don't know. There's just and the the thing is those town tiles won't score as a territory unless you buy a building with a crown on it. So it just it's just a little bit more than what I'm looking for the for the type of game it is. You know, I I remember reading or seeing a review on this game and somebody had mentioned they thought maybe Queen Domino was the original game and then King Domino's what everything they dialed it down to. So they got rid of as much as they can and made it as pure as they could. And that came up, that was like King Domino. Mm-hmm. So I've heard that theory 
and that that seems like it could be a thing, but Queen Domino almost feels like King Domino with expansions already added into it. Yeah. That's what it feels like. Yep. And it's just, I don't know. It's just not, it's just not the same. Doesn't feel the same. Yeah. 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 I agree. Totally. What would you rate it? Um, I would rate it a six. It was fine. I enjoyed it. It was beautiful. I I think I'd probably like it a lot more if I never played King Domino. You know, I'd say, yeah, this is a great game. But I just, I just would rather play something simple, especially when I'm playing things with my family. Like, there's a lot of setup with Queen Domino as well that I just, when I play things with my kids, I'm like, I just want to get it out and play it. I don't want to set anything up. I don't mind setting things up when we play board game night with my friends and with you guys and everything. But with my family games, I just like no setup. I agree 100%. It, what you hit the nail on the head when you said, if I had never played King Domino, then I think I would like this one more. I'm also giving it a six out of 10. I, I just, and it, I think it's getting a six because it has to compete against King Domino. If it didn't have to compete against King Domino, I'm, it might be a higher rating for me. I think that there's going to be a lot of people who prefer this over King Domino. I just like the simplicity of it. I think if you liked, you know, King Domino and you like those tile drafting games and you want something slightly more complex, I think this is one of those ones you should really give a shot to. Like you said, the artwork's great. The The gameplay at two-player is not necessarily as seamless and straightforward as you would normally want it to be. But yeah, that is uh, King and Queen Domino. All right, that's going to wrap up the games we've been playing this week. We are going to take a quick break. When we come back, we are going to discuss board game box sizes. All right, we are back, and it is time to discuss board game box sizes. Does size matter in board games? I mean, if you have an unlimited amount of space, probably not, right? So the would you rather question from last week was, would you rather have a box too big or a box too small? My neuroses is going to naturally say I would rather have a box too big than a box too small because anything, if the box for some reason doesn't like fit properly and it kind of just opens up, it drives me insane. I'm out. Like I, I just can't do that. There's certain games that it just, you, you barely get everything back in and I'm just like, why couldn't they have made the box just, you know, I don't See, know, a little bit bigger and I wouldn't have this problem right now. <laughs> I would rather have a too small of a box. If I can't close it all the way, whatever. But at least the box is like the absolute smallest it can possibly be. I cannot stand big boxes. I want my box to fit all of my components exactly. Although I understand people like expansions, so I will allow a bigger box with a little bit of room for an expansion. Fine. However, I prefer that the expansion come in a slightly bigger box and then you now move your game into the expansion box. But I know that that's not normally what happens for an expansion. So let's say, so let's say you were getting expansion for ticket to ride and your ticket to ride base game box was full. You'd want the Europe expansion to be slightly bigger than the original box. So you can just move all your contents into that box. Yeah. I mean, that's not realistic, right? Because there's like eight, expansions to ticket to ride so what are you gonna do yeah but still it that the concept of expansions not coming in small boxes but coming in boxes larger than the original box in order to accommodate all its stuff with the original box mm-hmm. i mean that's i don't know if you're ever gonna see something like that i don't think so either so i i will forgive so i guess my point is i will forgive extra space in the box room for an expansion to an extent but i don't want a ton of extra space in the box like battle line it's a card game with some pawns it should be like twice the size of a deck of cards just enough room for the deck of cards and the pawns instead it's like i don't know it could fit like four or five decks of cards in it that bugs me yeah some of those uh, games are just so overboxed it's not even buried treasure is another example of that where it's a deck of cards a small pamphlet rule book and then some point shits Uh it could be in a really small box 
Yeah. It could it could be in like an oh my goods teach you style small little box and it'd probably be more than enough. But it it's all about you. I mean, I get they do it because people buy bigger boxes. If you're to spend twenty dollars in a game, you're like, it's hard. You know, you're you're more likely to do it when the box is bigger, right? You want the most egregious game ever for box size? Are the car is the Carcassonne big box? It literally the entire game could fit in a regular Carcassonne box, and you open it up, and it's a hundred. It's like eighty percent insert, and then you've got because each of those Carcassonne expansions is just a small stack of tiles and maybe a couple extra wooden bits, but they each have their own little space to sit in. I mean, it's ridiculous. You you could even keep it on your shelf. It's like a Gloomhaven box. But it could fit. It is a, it's so big. Yeah. You could fit it in the original small Carcassonne box. It's insane. A good buddy of mine, him and his wife play a ton of Carcassonne, and he has the base game. But then I think he got a broken token insert, and I think he has just about every expansion, and it all fits in the in the the base box. And it like those gigantic the Carcassonne big box just seems so huge. I'm I always I wondered what was in it. Nothing. It's an insert. It's all plastic insert, and then little tile set and, and little cutout of the box. It nobody keeps it, and I and I don't think companies do that anymore. But basically, it was uh, like Carcassonne with like five expansions, and it was literally the size of the Carcassonne box plus five expansion boxes, and then the corner kind of squared out. So it was a gloom haven. It was it was just so egregious. It's almost like. Uh... Uh, Alhambra has the big box, mm-hmm. and I think that's it's. If I remember correctly, that one is very similar. Queen Games seems to do that a lot. They seem to put out big boxes. Mm-hmm. You know, Nobody there's likes a big, big box boxes. for everything. I mean, if you got if you have all of the Terraforming Mars expansions, by all means, buy the big box. You're gonna fill it up, right? But other than that, nobody wants a big box full of empty space. What if it was like a really nice insert in there? Take like um, I'm thinking. No. Have you seen the gigantic the infinity box for like Anachrony, where it has yeah. like the custom game trays and stuff, everything mm-hmm. like that? I haven't so, seen it. I don't know. I mean, that thing is gigantic. So, I don't know. That's the other thing is over the course of the years, it seems like boxes have been, especially with like Kickstarters, boxes have just like exploded in size. Mm-hmm. And it's always, you know, you have this custom, you know, bro, custom insert and all this other stuff to make setup fast. If would you like a bigger box, but it has a nice custom insert in it, a very usable custom insert, you can still flip it on its side, be fine, and it helps set up gameplay. But the box size is bigger. Would you be down for that? No, I do, I don't care for inserts. I mean, even the best of the inserts, I just prefer plastic baggies. Throw it all in a box. So, no, because the, the plastic inserts take a lot of space. For example, Rising Sun and Ankh, I took all of the minis out of the plastic inserts and threw them in a bag, and I got all of the game, including the expansion, in, in one box. And I, I much prefer that. I don't need a stupid expansion box. And I don't. I just want it. And, and then when you're passing out the pieces to everybody, you just grab a bag and throw it at you know, everybody, and nobody has to get out this insert, and you got to stuff them figure out which characters you know which minis going which insert oh i hate it all throw it away it I, I did that with blood rage and it just it it opened up the amount of space that you can fit into that game with just because mm-hmm. it was yeah. it was such a tight fit with all the plastic and trying yeah trying to fit those things you know, like i cardboard would, boxes I, you put the plastic in it was even more thick it was just all it's all extra stuff you don't need and it's harder to pack up and and put away does box size matter to you when it comes to cost so the reason why i say that in so to go back to the whole psychology of box size so take terraforming mars came in a bigger box it was the price points like 70 dollars, and realistically what you get in that box isn't much it's mostly just cards because even the the player cards are just I don't want to get into this it's just they're awful. They're they're not recessed or anything like that. So you're spending extra money on this game 
and you're getting a big box, but you're not getting a ton of extra stuff in it. Honestly, the big, the only reason why it's that size is because the board, you know, Mm -hmm. the actual main board. Yeah. I mean, think about Carcassonne with all the expansions. If you had put that in a, a Carcassonne size box and then tried to sell it for $80, $90, I don't remember what it was going for back when it came out. Like who would buy that? Right. That's, that seems ridiculous. So I get it. Like I get the psychology and I'm not immune to uh, marketing. You know, I, I fall for that too. Like if I'm going to spend a hundred dollars on a game, it damn well better be a lot of game. Right. Well, and we often talk about when you get a game, you spend a certain amount on it, you open it up in the amount of like stuff in it. A prime example is like Gloomhaven Jaws of the Lion. It's like 40 bucks. I'm shooting from the hip. I honestly have no clue how much it costs at this point. But if I remember correctly, it was like 40 or 50 bucks. And that thing is jam-packed full of stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, it has some minis. It has those books and everything like that. Granted, some of it's not necessarily the best quality. So you have those flip open maps or whatever. And sometimes the pages curl a little bit. But, I mean, you got a lot of content for a relatively good price point. Yeah. I think the big box helps sell it. It feels like you're getting more game for your money, right? But also the big box sets your expectations. If you have a big box, you're expecting a big, heavy game. And you have a small box, like I often say, like when I make my judgment calls, I'm I'm kind of putting them in a category, right? When I'm deciding to rate a game. If it's a small game, I hold it to a different standard than a large big box, right? So if I get a regular ticket to si- ticket to ride size box, I'm expecting a heavier or a medium weight, you know, kind of meteor game with a lot of pieces. And you open it up and it's like Santa Monica, you know, and that's like a really light little card game that could have been a small box. I think if it was a small box, it would have set my expectations a little bit lower, right? I think it, it, the box size kind of, kind of categorizes where you put it at, put it at uh, as far as weightness. Yeah, and that's the whole, like that, that right there is the whole idea behind does the box size matter to what you think? Does, does a, does the size of the box, does it already, do you already make decisions on how the game's going to be based on the size of the box? And one of the things to take, I think this was the fall of last year in October when we went to Origins, we played Red Cathedral. Yes, I was just going to bring that up. I don't think this game would have gotten nearly the praise and accolades it did had it been a big box. But when you pick up that box, you're like, oh, this is a little game. And you open it up and it's a big Euro-y game, like medium to heavy Euro game. And I think that had it been a regular box, it would have gotten kind of a lot more criticism. But because it was such a small box, everyone was so pleasantly surprised. There was so much more gameplay within a smaller box size. You got the gameplay of a ticket to ride size size box in a smaller in a smaller box. Mm-hmm. You know, even take like Scott Olms does all those tiny epic games, tiny epic galaxies, tiny tiny epic zombies, and they're small box games designed to be heavier games. Now that said, I don't. I've played a handful of them, and I own a handful of them, and I think the the one that's probably the most Euroe is tiny epic galaxies, but even then, I don't know if it if it was in a bigger box if it would hold the same kind of feeling as it does being in that tiny epic box. Yeah, you know, another one I want to talk about, and you know, so Red Cathedrals, you know, it that's kind of the catalyst that sparked us talking about this because last week we did we did uh a guild of merchant explorers, right? Mm-hmm. And one of the things you mentioned, you were like, well, g- given the box size, this is how I'm I'm comparing it into this. So now we're not necessarily even looking at games just on the merit of what the game does. We are rating it based on the size of box it comes in. Mm-hmm. You know, so that game comes in a regular ticket to style, ticket to ride style box, a larger box like that. But then the gameplay seems slightly more along the lines of something like Fleet or Three Sisters. It falls into that range more so than it does a Euro game or a medium weight Euro game. Even though I would consider that a medium weight Euro, 
I think if it was a roll and write, it would be one of the heavier roll and writes. It would be mm-hmm. along with like Fleet the Dice game or Three Sisters, that kind of stuff. But, you know, those are the types of things you think about. Like, am I getting enough out of the box, you know, to warrant the the cost? And the most recent example I can think of this is Foundations of Rome mm-hmm. by Arcane Wonders. That thing is enormous. It's like $200 before it's even, you know, washed or anything like that, right? Now, the the game fills up the box though, right? The pieces do, yes. Yeah. So you're getting all these lavish pieces and everything like that, but the gameplay of it is extremely simplistic. It is not necessarily a heavy, crunchy Euro that you would expect from that style box because you're competing with the anachronies, the nemesis, those gigantic Kickstarter boxes. So you're dealing with, you know, the gloom havens of the world. You're in that size category. Mm-hmm. So people are going to want that type of content. And that's not what you're getting out of that game. Mm-hmm. So do you spend 250 bucks on a overly produced, lavish, splendor style game? Do you? I mean, I wouldn't, but. Obviously, people are. People are buying it. And people, yeah. I mean, it's uh, my understanding is it's very a very good game that's extremely streamlined, but it's simplistic. Mm-hmm. Does that affect your decisions? I know for me that does. I'm not. I don't necessarily want to spend two hundred dollars on a game that's going to be the weight level of, you know, even a Ticket to Ride style game. I don't want to spend two hundred dollars on a game that's going to be that level of complexity. I want something more like the anachrony, something that you got to think about more, mm-hmm. you know, take I, even like Gloomhaven, you know, Gloomhaven has 8 million scenarios in it. You can play that game for 8,000 hours and, you know, so do you have any suggestions for those that are limited on space and really just don't have the room for extra empty boxes or half empty boxes in their home? No, I don't cuz I don't have a good I don't have a good idea for me. So take you know a, one of our friends that comes to game night. His name's Dan and he'll take these games and he puts them in little card boxes. And mm-hmm. he recently picked up uh the Quiver which is just basically a long card box. You know, it has a hard case on it and you can fit a bunch of card games in it. And he has a bunch of card games in it. Mm-hmm. because he can take them and he can fit them into a much smaller footprint. So take ink and gold. You can put it into a deck box as opposed to the larger box that it comes in. Buried mm-hmm. Treasure is another example. You know, Pit is another example. All these games that can fit in these little tiny boxes, you can do that. I would love to do that, but I would rather just keep the original box. And part yeah, of it is, it's... for me, if I'm going to try to sell it secondhand, I'm not going to, it makes sense for me to keep the box. People are going to want the box. Yeah. You don't want to offload your box and then have to store it somewhere either. You you want, you, you're going to need to keep the box if you ever think thinking about selling it. But yeah. Yeah. Um, another thing that Dan does um, is he takes the original box and he lops off the top of it and then lops off the bottom of the lid and he shrinks it down. He it makes it skinnier and, and he does it in an array that looks really, really nice. But I don't think you could do that, Bob. No, I could never do that. There's there's no way I would ever be able to like chop down a box. I've recently and I say recently, it's been like a couple of years that I'm now getting rid of the expansion boxes of games that I've incorporated into the base box before mm-hmm. I would just hold on to them for no good reason whatsoever. Like, what do you do with expansion boxes? You know, just throw them away. You would throw them away. Yeah, you're gonna throw them away 100. percent But yeah, at this I've recycled all of mine. I took my tick my Carcassonne big box and I put it in a tackle box that I got from the um from like a craft store and it's worked amazing. I love it. It's perfect for that game. However, um, it's not gonna sell. I'll never sell it because the box is gone. But who's gonna ever want a big box anyways? So that wouldn't sell either. You know, so you're just kind of stuck in this weird situation about what to do with these boxes. I, I don't like it. And I think I think we're seeing a trend of of companies filling out boxes more. Not all of them are doing it. But 
I think it, as a consumer, the only thing we can do about it is to choose not to buy the games that are ridiculously overboxed. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's just the amount of content that you can get in some of these things. So another thing that kind of with the box size that I've kind of thought about recently is take Kickstarters. Kickstarters, generally speaking, if some of the like larger Kickstarters, and the, this really came up with uh, Marvel United is a good example of this. I've seen pictures on Facebook where a person who appears to be between 5'10 and 6 foot standing next to Marvel United, the Kickstarter pledge that they've done, and it is taller than they are. Oh my gosh! Just the sh- just the sheer amount of content that you get, and it's it's funny because the more I think about it, the more I'm like, am I ever going to play all that content? I don't think there's anything we can do about that because obviously people are making it because people are buying it. So yeah, people love it, you know. Then they're buying it. So the, I mean, just that's if that's not for you, you're just gonna have to step out of it. I don't think that's gonna ever change. But we can get them to eliminate, to shrink their boxes, to make them appropriate for the game. I think if I had to choose, I would just want universal box sizes. Just this is this is the box size for games. Fit them into this box. That's what <laughs> that I would, would want. be amazing. There'd be like what, like six, maybe six sizes, like hard game, a double card style, a double card size. The the fleet the dice game size box an azul size box a ticket to ride size box and a see six is too many six is way too many i would want like four four and they need to and they need to accommodate a uh calyx style ikea shelf perfectly (laughs) is the other is the other idea behind it is since that that is the a little bit like a monopoly yeah i mean maybe a little bit you know i do not have stock in ikea but I think it would work well if they could because adapt it to that, considering that tends to be like the board game standard that everyone gets is those types of shelves. But yeah, I would say for me, I'd be more like four box sizes. So ticket to ride style box, probably like a fleet Azul and then a card style box. Well, good luck with that. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not saying I'm going to get it. I can always hope and dream. Well, that's our show for this week. Thanks for listening to Our Shenanigans. Join us next week where we're going to talk about hosting a board game night. Please leave us a review and check us out on Instagram or Facebook. Send us your questions to boardgameshenanigans at gmail.com. Have a great week, everyone. See you next week.